Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of The Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I hope that you've been well since the last time that I spoke with you. And I'm very glad that you decided to tune in to this week's episode because it's a special one. My co-host, Nicholas Moriano, worked some magic and was able to bring on today's special guest. So, Nick, since you've put in all the work to make this possible, I'd like for you to go ahead and just introduce today's guest. Yeah, it's my pleasure to introduce our special guest for today's podcast. He's an NFL insider for ESPN is a contributor to NFL Live, SportsCenter, the fantasy show with Matthew Barry, is a co-host of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast, and at times has been the bar for people to bench press, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. Really is a guy that can do it all. It's Field Yates. Field, how you doing today, man? Doing great, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, it is an honor to have you on the show. We're really excited to pick your brain about the Chicago Bears and, of course, learn a little bit more about you along the way. Are you ready to roll, Field? Let's do it, guys. Feel like it's, uh, you know, kickoff is upon us. Let's get it going. It's extremely early in the offseason, and teams are going to look completely different between now and when training camp opens up in July. But I'm just curious to your thoughts on what kind of team do you see the Bears being next year? Because a few weeks ago, I noticed that you tweeted that this team, and we believe this as well, has a quote-unquote excellent nucleus. So do you envision Chicago taking that next step with a strong possibility of a perhaps a deep playoff run? Yeah, the theme of the Bears offseason is going to be really retention and development. I don't expect them to be one of those teams that makes a bunch of splashy free agent signings, and that's kind of by design. They've got basically every key contributor locked up through at least next season, maybe save Adrian Amos, Bryce Calley, and a couple of other guys that are solid players. But when you stack up the Bears roster 1-53, to you can make a pretty good case that Of the top 20 or so guys, 18 of them are already under contract for 2019. And in the case of many of those top 20 players, the answer could be they're locked up through 2021, three more years. So I think this is one of those off seasons where the Bears focus on taking care of their own and developing some of the most important players on this roster. And, you know, there are times where I'd love to give you the most outside of the box thought or do something that's quite different from everybody else. But sometimes the obvious needs to be stated. And the obvious in this case is that Mitch Trubisky needs to get much better from year two to year three in the same way he did from year one to year two. 
Gotcha. And Field, you recently wrote an article where you were the GM for each team and you decided what the team should do with their biggest free agent. ESPN's Jeff Dickerson chose that Adrian Amos was that guy. And in your article, you said that Amos should test the market and resign if at a reasonable price. Now, I'm going to ask you to be the GM again. Who do you value more, though? Is it Nickelback, Bryce Callahan, or Adrian Amos? Yeah, I think it's probably Bryce Callahan for this simple reason, that I think it might be a more affordable contract. Not that both aren't really good players, and I think that Adrian's probably in a vacuum the more important piece of the puzzle for every of the 32 NFL rosters. But I think that when you're looking at the dollars and cents, and I don't know that people can totally grasp this, but in a lot of cases what you have to understand is that Saying that Adrian Amos could be expendable given the Bears roster construction is not an indictment of him as a player. Rather, it's the reality that when you've got a ton of really good players on your roster, you're going to have to make some difficult decisions. We saw it with the Philadelphia Eagles last year. We are going to see it with the Los Angeles Rams this offseason. We're going to see it with the Chicago Bears in some way, shape or form over the next few offseasons. When you have Khalil Mack making quarterback money, when you've got guys acquired last offseason like Allen Robinson, when you've got players locked up long-term like Kyle Fuller and some of the other key pieces on defense, plus an offensive line that's got several high-paid players, at some point you're going to have to turn your depth. In some ways it might be that you have to let really good players walk. Not that Adrian Amos has done anything but meet and exceed expectations, but If you are Ryan Pace and you're doing the balance sheet of your roster, at some point you're going to have to do things that are without emotion. Do so in a way that, um, you know, has a little bit of a short-term loss for a long-term gain. Yeah, interesting here. Do you have perhaps what you believe would be a reasonable price for an Adrian Amos or a Bryce Callahan in the market or any, like, red flags, like once you reach a certain kind of degree of money, like, okay, let him walk, let him go? It's hard to say for sure because, you know, we're still, what, 20 days from the start of the NFL league year and when free agency begins. And I imagine when Adrian decides to uh, at least seriously consider any offers, I don't think he's the kind of guy. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if he is the kind of guy that will take a deal before free agency begins, but a lot of players certainly are enticed to wait until free agency, at which point they have the lay of the land of potential other suitors. Uh, What I would say is that the safety market was really out of order last year. We saw very few players of that position get paid. We just saw Eric Reed, who is probably one or maybe two years further along in his career in terms of seasons played than Adrian, signed for three years and $22.5 million. So I think that if the price tag hovers at or near there, then I think the Bears have a decision to make. And you want to keep as many good players as you can. But the reality of the NFL with a salary cap in place is that difficult decisions are often why they pay the GMs what they pay them. Absolutely. Let's stick with the defense real quick. Obviously, Vic Fangio to Denver. We bring in Chuck Pagano. What are your thoughts here? Do you think the Bears shouldn't be able to skip a beat here with Pagano coming in, keeping relatively the same system? I mean, with all the talent there, uh, it seems like things should be good, but you do have that uh, area in which Bears fans are a little concerned about their losing Vic Fangio. Well, you should. I mean, it's fair. I mean, Vic Fangio got, you know, a job for a reason this offseason with the Broncos. And if you look at the hiring cycle, we saw what just two defensive minded coaches get hired. And Vic Fangio was the only veteran defensive coach to get hired 
as an off as, as a head coach. And what I mean by veteran is, you know, obviously being in the league for 30 years, as opposed to Brian Flores is on the younger side uh, and Flores is a tremendous coach and he certainly has plenty of experience, but Vic is the seasoned defensive mind that was hired this off season by the bear, by the Brown Broncos, excuse me. Um, I think that for Chuck Pagano, I don't think you have to worry a ton. I think this is a guy that certainly has cut his teeth on the defensive side of the ball throughout his career in the NFL, served as a head coach and did so successfully in Indianapolis. And you mentioned it's not going to rock the boat. This is not going to be like going from the wing tee to the air raid offense or whatever the defensive parallel would be. It's going to be largely keeping in place what the Bears did last year. And you often hear the term, term players, not plays when it comes to offensive schemes. Well, same thing kind of applies for defense, right? Would you rather have uh, the Bears roster and a figure it out with the coordinator spot, or would you rather have basically any other defensive roster in football and a coordinator in place? The answer is you probably would take your chances with that roster nine times out of ten. Absolutely. Let's switch things to the offensive side of the ball. And like you said, a lot of these players are locked down on a contract for quite some time. But one player that's entering a contract year and one player that seems to be uh, a lot of buzz around him about potentially leaving the team, being traded, and that's Jordan Howard. A lot of fans are curious of his long-term value in this offense. He was just shy of a thousand yards on the ground last year. Um, But still, I'm curious your thoughts here. Do you think he can be a viable back in this system moving forward? Well, I think viable is somewhat of a, you know, that's somewhat of a subjective term, right? But I think what we probably saw this past offseason is that the Bears, you know, there are teams that can successfully employ and run out a variety of running backs that are, I don't say predictable, but we'll use the example of the team that just won the Super Bowl with the Patriots and tendencies suggested that when James White was on the field, the Patriots were more likely to throw it than pass it. When Sonny Michelle was on the field, the Patriots were more likely to run it than pass it. Uh, for the Bears, it was kind of that way with Jordan Howard as a running down back and Tariq Cohen as the up-tempo passing down back. Um, I still think running back could be sort of a sneaky need for the Bears this offseason. I'd say it's they feel like they've kind of been in like with Jordan rather than in love with Jordan. And What we've seen recently is that the running back market has not been super kind to a ton of guys. It's rather been very kind to a few guys. And I think if you're looking at how to value Jordan Howard, if you want something like eight or nine or $10 million per season, it's going to be very difficult for the bears to justify given the fact that again, they've got so many good players and he's not a limited skill set, but he is a more limited skill set than a guy like Todd Gurley who just got his $15 million per year extension. We still have plenty more to get to with Field Yates, but before we get to our next question, I need to call a quick timeout and tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting tickets to your favorite game online can just be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know exactly who you should trust. And that's why we're proud to partner with SeatGeek. And really, they're the way to go. And what makes SeatGeek unique is that they can pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being at the event you want to be at in person. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Being Bears fans just like you, we wouldn't be where we are without SeatGeek. They've allowed us to continue to grow our brand and provide you, our listener, with great deals throughout the year. On top of that, SeatGeek is my personal favorite way to shop for tickets because I know I'm always going to get the best deal possible for the tickets that I want. Plus, they allow me to set notifications for the teams or events that I care about most, which is extremely convenient and useful. 
So go ahead, make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter that promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, let's get back to our discussion with ESPN's Field Yates. And Nick, I'm going to go ahead and let you have the floor. So let's move things to the fantasy perspective because you are a big fantasy guy. And if you haven't heard of the fantasy focused football podcast, then you're really missing out. But who is one Bears player other besides Tariq Cohen that fantasy owners should look to draft in uh, this next season? I think it's got to be Mitch Trubisky based off what we saw this past year. And, you know, fantasy and reality sometimes align, but they don't always align. And for fantasy football, there's a chance that Mitch Trubisky could be a stud quarterback, and there's so much depth there, obviously, at that position that guys like Josh Allen for the Bills emerged late in the season. We saw players that we had big hype around going into the year regressed down the stretch. Cam Newton, once he got injured, he was a player that really fell short. Um, Kirk Cousins, I think, fell short of expectations this year when you take it in total in some. Obviously, Tom Brady was not nearly the player in the regular season that he has been uh, from a fantasy perspective over the last few years. But I think that Mitch Trubisky, with his ability to run the football, obviously plenty of options in the passing game to throw it to as well. And, you know, with Mitch, I don't think that you're going to just sort of hold him back as a runner. Now, you may not have a ton of design runs, but you may not need that many design runs for him to still pile up something like 30 to 40 rushing yards per game, which when you break down to it, 40 rushing yards is as good as 100 yards passing. And Mitch Trubisky is as prone for 40 rushing yards as certainly any quarterback in the division. And really, perhaps as much as like any of the top five or six rushing quarterbacks in the league. Now, Field, you talk about Trubisky. You seem pretty confident in his ability to take that jump from year two to year three. I want to put you in a spot here at the end of the 2019 season. Is he a top 10 fantasy quarterback? Uh, no, but you know, with quarterbacks, I think there's enough depth though that you can still highlight a guy and not believe he's necessarily going to be a top ten fantasy quarterback. Uh, you know, there's just so many stars in that position. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes rules the roost. You've got guys like Russell Wilson; they're going to be there every year. Matt Ryan had a quietly terrific fantasy year this past season. You still believe in Tom Brady? Do you think guys around the league can make that leap? Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz bouncing back into their second and third seasons or going into their third seasons from their second season. Andrew Luck was awesome this year. There's so much depth there. Uh, That being said, I mean, I think Mitch Trubisky is certainly going to be a guy that is viewed as a potential breakout candidate going into this year. Now, speaking of breakout, Matt Nagy, your head coach this past season, he definitely did that. I'm curious from your perspective, did he exceed your expectations of what he was able to accomplish in Chicago in his very first season? I'm not sure if I necessarily had expectations for what Matt himself would achieve. I think it was more about what the team itself would achieve. And by that metric, yes, I was. I do believe that they exceeded expectations. You know, I don't have a vote in the matter, but I think I've, I've made it clear that my vote would have gone to Matt from this uh, past year for NFL coach of the year. And I think what was interesting was he came with offensive credentials. And I thought the offense was okay. I didn't think it was great this year. I thought there were some brilliant moments, but I didn't think it was, you know, one of the top six, seven, or 10 in the league, regardless of what the scoring output might suggest. I thought that though, uh, when you're hired as a head coach, your job is to not necessarily just be the head coach, but also be the CEO. You're going to manage all facets of the roster. And with Matt Nagy, it was clear that he had a good grip on the defense. He had a good grip on in-game management. He had a good grip on the personalities. You know, uh, it was a club dub. Certainly was something that took off um, in an impressive way this year. And, 
you often take on the personality of your head coach. And when the head coach has as much sort of magnetic force around him as Matt Nagy does, it's a really good thing. So I was impressed with the entire operation this year. For sure. Field, we're going to kind of switch perspectives here now. The, I'm going to talk about the big lead. They recently wrote an article about the 19 sports media talents that are set to break out in 2019. And you were listed as one of them. What does it mean that others are in the sports media industry are recognizing your hard work? And do you have any personal professional goals in 2019? Well, first of all, very, very kind of, of Bobby at the big lead to write that piece. I know he's someone that is uh, you know, very in tune with how the media operates and keeping an eye on stuff. What it means is, you know, I'd say this is it's not the reason why you do the work. It's um, it's nice to be uh, recognized and you appreciate it. And it only sort of motivates you to try and prove that person right. Uh, in this case, sometimes it's proving people wrong in other cases. But, uh, you know, compelling list, a lot of people on there that I really respect, certainly my coworkers at ESPN that were on there and then others that I've gotten to know a little bit uh, through my work. In terms of professional goals this year, guys, it's sort of the same for me every single day. Try to get a little bit better, 1% better from one day to the next and try to do my best to inform the viewers, listeners, followers, readers, writers, you name it. Try to do my best. That's a great mindset to have there, Field. And at your job, it looks like you have a ton of fun at ESPN, whether it's sure. talking about fantasy prospects with Matthew Barry or, like I said, getting bench pressed by, like, a Miles Garrett. Sure. It looks like you're really enjoying yourself. What is it like to work for ESPN and all the unique people that you get to work with on a daily basis? Well, first of all, Pete's having a job, right? You know, it certainly <laughs> doesn't feel like work every single day, but it's really unique. You know, I think that growing up, uh, probably all of us can, can say with certainty that you know, ESPN was a big staple of our mornings and probably a big staple of our day uh, every single day. And uh, when you go to Bristol, it's sort of like you, you walk into the hallways and you do a pinch me moment every single day, which I think speaks to what it's like to work with so many invigorating people and so many thoughtful, so many creative, so many uh, passionate people. And I know I sound like a walking, talking cliche here, but you know you have to take the time to sort of step back and realize the gravity of it all. And what I've always been grateful for with ESPN is that they have given me vision. They have given me guidance, but they have also allowed me to pursue a path that I think best suits my skills. And they've championed the things that I think I felt most passionate about. So they have not only enhanced my growth, but they've also allowed me to grow organically and then supplemented that uh, with good support. Absolutely. seems like you're in a really good spot. So that's awesome. Uh, if your name is Field Yates, but real quickly, of course, during this season, I mean, you're doing a ton, you're podcasting, you're on the air all the time. Can you take us through a typical day of the grind in season? What's field, what is Field Yates' day look like? Yeah. Well, with our podcast being daily during the season, Monday through Fridays have somewhat of a similar structure to them little bit different you know i'm a morning person that's how i best operate or when i best operate like to work out first thing in the morning and then usually in the office by you know eight o'clock or so that gives me time to get ready for our podcast which we start taping every day at 11 we meet uh or we, we go live at 11 we meet at around 10 or so but um you know i like to have the morning to prep and work and grind on rankings and write things and you know, follow all along with all the news that's taking place during the day. And then, you know, the show goes until noon. If I'm on NFL Live, I head right over, have my TV garb ready, and we're on the air from 1.30 to 3. Uh, and, you know, there's a variety of things that just sort of pop up day to day during the season. Radio appearances, podcast appearances, you name it. Um, and 
you know, the reality is that news can pop at any time, but it's most likely to pop during the season when you know you've got things every single day, practice updates, injury updates, uh, transactions. This time of the year, while you know, anything could happen this afternoon, I think the chances are that a major story is less likely to break on, what day is it, uh, Thursday, February 21st, than it would be Thursday, you know, October 21st. So um, you're constantly kind of keeping up on everything that's going on and um, you know, with games on Sunday, Monday, and Thursday, you've got three nights of the week where you're locked in on the TV no matter what for game action, and then you use the other time to try to catch up on it all. So um, the days tend to go by pretty fast, uh, you, know, especially, uh, you know, especially early on in the year. We're in Connecticut where there's not a ton of great uh, weather past Thanksgiving or so, but when the weather is nice, things, to pop, things tend to, uh, to roll along pretty smoothly. Constantly busy there, Field, and I recently watched an interview with you conducted by the Chronicle 5 WCVB, and in there you called yourself a super utility man, someone who could do a little bit of everything, right? Can you talk about that? You have a background in scouting, obviously a fantasy expert. You could just do it all. How has that versatility just really helped you out in your career? You know, the one thing about this industry, and I know that you guys are you know, continuing to break through and you're going to keep having your watershed moments is that if someone were to ask me, what do I do? What do I want to do in five years? I tell them, I'm just not sure. Not because I don't love what I do now. I think the only thing I can say is I want to be working for ESPN in five years, but think about what happened five years ago or where you were 10 years ago. You know, if there was a time where you maybe uh, read your local newspaper every single day and not that, you know, there's still not a ton of value. And I love the Boston globe, which is where I'm from originally. Um, but you know, people aren't consuming in the same way that they were five or 10 years ago. You look at some of the great content that is out there, wildly popular podcasts, podcasts that are simulcast on YouTube, uh, people who have prolific Twitter pages, Instagram, Instagram TV, Instagram stories. So the way that the world is consuming media is so different. So I think what I found was that rather than pigeonholing myself to just being able to do one thing or rather than feeling rather than feeling as though only one thing was important or just to focus all of my energy there, I wanted to do my best to, um, you know, find myself comfortable in any circumstance. So uh, whether it's football, fantasy football, whether it's podcasting, TV, radio, writing, whether it's social media, uh, you name it, I feel pretty good about it, or at least I feel comfortable that I can take on the challenge and that to me has been uh, something that really gives me a lot of energy day to day is knowing that no matter what the schedule has on it, uh, you got a challenge ahead of you. That right there is pretty cool. Yeah. It's a great mindset there field. And I also saw in that interview that you're a big craft beer guy. Yeah. I I like to think I am too. So what are some of your favorite craft beers? Next time I go to Boston to go visit my friend who's in grad school, what is something that I absolutely have to try? Well, you can't miss. I'm sure you know Treehouse Brewery, which is based in Charlton, Massachusetts. It's got really national acclaim, and you can't go wrong there. Everything they do is golden. And then Boston has a great set of breweries in the area, whether it's a night shift brewing company, whether uh, it's Cisco Brewery, which is actually on Nantucket, but does pop-ups in Boston. That's always a winner. Trillium Brewing is a great spot as well. Trillium has a big footing here uh, in Boston. Then you go about an hour and a half north, and next thing you know, you're up in Portland, Maine, which is just littered with great breweries, Bissell Brothers and Good Fire and Austin Street and so many others. And if you want to go up to uh, the good old state of Vermont, get yourself a Heady Topper, one of the most uh, legendary beers probably ever produced. So no shortage right. of great options here. I'll tell you that much. I'm well, excited about that. Yeah. 
filled up my sticky note that I had next to me. Now I want to <laughs> re-listen to this afterwards and make sure, sure. I list them all down. Uh, so something that we get a lot here is a lot of our listeners want to know, like, you know, how do we get to even our position? And of course, right. you're way above us here. So I want you for we have a lot of perspective, like, you know, high schoolers are always asking, like, how do I get into journalism? How do I get to like to be a sports media person? So do you have any advice for those pe- uh, younger kids who are aspiring to be in a position that you are in today? Yeah, most important thing I could ever tell someone is to develop a library of content. What I mean by that is whether you have a Twitter page, whether you have a blog, a podcast, a YouTube channel, uh, if you don't, start one up now. The really fun part about what this industry has is, you know, if you and I, if the three of us wanted to start our own website, we wanted to call it, you know, the bears and beers talk.com, we could have it up here in the next hour, right? We could have a podcast that was only about bears and beers. Um, whether we wanted to put a, together a YouTube channel, it could all be done by the time the clock strikes midnight tonight. So there is uh, so many opportunities, ample opportunities to develop content and make your mark. I think that's really important because um, if you want to find a job, they're going to want to see that you have some chops to you. So you can have uh, a library of content that will allow you to present yourself when the time comes. When a company comes to you and says, all right, that's great. We want it. We're glad that you're interested in our position. Now show me. That right there, I think, makes a big difference. So I think having a library of content and leveraging social media because it's such a powerful way to distribute content and information. Now, I want to make sure that I'm understanding this correctly, that way they understand as well. When you mean library of content, you don't mean just being out there. You mean corralling it, putting it together in like a portfolio too, correct? Yeah, I would just say, you know, if you have a, you know, if you have a podcast somewhere, you could say, hey, I have a podcast, go to this site or search this on Apple Podcasts or I think it's Google Play or Google Podcasts. I think they're changing, uh, you name yeah. it. Whatever it is, um, you know, so that people can search you and find you. Same thing with a Twitter page. Hey, go to twitter.com slash this or that. Go to, um, you know, wherever it is. Uh, find your, uh, you know, your way, your passion, your voice and do that. Anything else about you that we should know? No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to open up that way. So Field, really, though, that's all we have for you. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out. I know you're a very busy man, so appreciate all the time. It was a lot of fun talking to you, talking to some Chicago Bears, and, of course, getting to know you just a little bit more. So thank you so much. Uh, No problem, guys. Good talking to you, as always. Yeah, before you go, Field, I just want to say thank you. Uh, For those listening who don't know, Field Yates is literally the reason why I got into sports journalism. Uh, I reached out to Field in June of 2016, and – I just asked how he got working into ESPN. He responded with an email detailing his steps he took. And ever since then, I took uh, what Field wrote, uh, took it to heart, put that in the path that I'm currently on. I'm going to start at grad school at DePaul University uh, for sports journalism in April. So uh, it would have been possible without you. And I just want to say thank you. You're awesome, Nick. And uh, go Hawkeyes first. And then <laughs> what's DePaul? The Knights? The, 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 the Blue Devils. Blue Devils. Dang it. That was bad by me. Yeah, the, the real Blue Devils. Go with the real Blue Devils. Thank you, Field. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. Make sure to review our show on Apple Podcasts if you haven't yet already. We really appreciate the time that you have already put into those. And every review allows us to reach more Bears fans just like you. And we're only two away from 400, which means we're only two reviews away from one of our patented giveaways. So definitely do that if you haven't yet. And yeah, we'll talk to you all next week or sooner if any major breaking news occurs. But until next time, bear down, Chicago.
How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.